Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, December the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have another jam-packed Friday Twitter mailbag coming for you guys, by you guys. We'll get to those questions, plus Adam Gay's trade rumors. We'll go over the day's news items and finish up this podcast by predicting the game on Sunday and telling you why the quarterback Miami needs might just be available this coming offseason. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That's how the podcast get out, gets out to more Dolphins fans. It helps us in more ways than you can know. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog. In the entire Lockdown Network, we have that piece up from Jason Harina titled Where the Dolphins Went Wrong in 2018. Check that out and also check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have a busy show for you guys today. Let's get things cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins. And the big rumor of the day that came out in an Albert Breer column up on the MMQB, the site that he runs and operates now in the post-Peter King era, was the connection that Adam Gase had to the Cleveland Browns back in 2016 when the Browns hired Hugh Jackson. Their first target that year was Adam Gase, but the Dolphins offered Gase first. He took that deal, and I think obviously Miami over Cleveland, not much of a decision there, both from a football standpoint and from a city standpoint. That's what Adam Gase did, but the Browns in their search of Adam Gaze really became kind of enamored with him and really wanted him to be their coach. And that could resurface again this coming offseason. As Albert Breer points out, they could wind up trading for Adam Gaze and teaming him back up with Baker Mayfield, who Adam Gaze loved last year in the entire draft process, which would be odd because now he'd be stuck back with Jarvis Landry, and that'd be pretty funny to see. But I think that would make a lot of sense for both sides, kind of move on from Adam Gaze here, get him to the quarterback he wanted to coach. It could work out well there. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But the more the Dolphins can accumulate picks for the draft, I am all for that. Plus, it removes a coach that, to me, has worn his welcome out in South Florida. So it's a win-win for the Dolphins. Let's see if it actually happens. I don't know. I still think Sunday's game, you know, like it or not, Stephen Ross probably shouldn't be doing this. But it sounds like Sunday's game in Buffalo could actually wind up being the deciding factor in Adam Gaze's future in Miami. But if you can get a draft pick for him, how high would that draft pick be? I think coaches tend to go for either a first rounder or even a day two pick would be fantastic for Miami, as I think this coming draft should be about accumulating picks to try to go up and find that quarterback if a certain someone does decide to come out and play football. And another person that could be a trade target or a trade chip is Ryan Tannehill. And the contract isn't great going forward. The Dolphins have committed cash to him. They have some dead money they owe him if they do decide to move on from him. But if you trade that contract, get a draft pick in return, and there's going to be a market for Ryan Tannehill. Do not mistake that. He's not a great quarterback, but he's still better than what a lot of teams currently have. So there will be a market for Ryan Tannehill. Draft picks, draft picks, draft picks. Sounds like a fantastic idea, in my opinion. And the guy that might be spending those draft picks 
could be Dan Marino. And it sounds more and more as we move along here this week that he could be the one the Dolphins appoint as the new executive VP of football operations and the guy that really has the final say and the final charge over every single facet of this Miami Dolphins football team. Frankly, I don't see it. I don't think that throwing a football means you can pick talent out when it comes to football. But we'll see. I I guess it it could work out. He's been around the team for a while now, and we've heard reports that he was putting in more input in regards to watching film with the guys, notably Ryan Tannehill. But is he qualified to do this job? I guess we'll find out if it happens. I just don't know at this point. Regardless, the quarterback search this offseason is 100% on, and Mike Tannenbaum is already pretty much a goner at this point. I'm going to wait to start speculating on what might happen this offseason until we have a more clear picture on who it's going to be calling the shots this upcoming offseason. Because, I mean, last offseason, I think the reason I kind of gained a bit of a following this last year was because I was really, really accurate in my offseason predictions for who the Dolphins were going to go out and get both on the offense and the defense and the draft and free agency, whatever it was. Last year, that research I did all offseason led to a very, very high batting average regarding those offseason moves. But that could be a challenge this year if there are sweeping changes because who really knows what the new guys are going to want and what they have prioritized over certain things in the organization. But all that is to say, who gives a shit about my personal prediction record What I want this team to be is a winner, both as a fan and as a podcaster that covers the team. I mean, just to be completely frank with you guys, my financial stability is basically tied to the Dolphins' success because, let's be real, you guys listen more when they win games. The Patriots game, you guys were listening more than you do now. Back on the 3-0 start, there was more listeners back then than there are now, so... The Dolphins winning makes the podcast better. And I understand why it totally gets, I I get everything that goes into that as a fan of the team, but as a fan and as a podcaster that makes more money when the Dolphins win, I want to see this team win more than anything. And speaking of future possible quarterbacks for the Miami Dolphins, it sounds like Teddy Bridgewater is going to play significant reps in the Saints season finale regular season finale. I should say on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers as they rest Drew Brees getting ready for the playoff push there in New Orleans and it sounds like Teddy Bridgewater might get a chance to get his first real run at some in-game live NFL snaps and some live bullets in a regular season game he played a little bit for the Vikings like three or four snaps but that didn't really do a whole lot he played in the preseason but now he's going to get a chance against a decently good Panthers defense to kind of show you where he's come at this point in his career his audition for a big contract this offseason also one last quarterback note here there is a rumor going around that Matt Stafford could be on the trading block and the Lions will look to move him. That is another veteran option that I've actually talked about throughout the course of this season when it looked like the quarterback position was going to be one the Dolphins were going to have to address. I think it would make sense, especially if Adam Gaze is here. I could definitely see Matt Stafford being a target for this team. I still think Matt Stafford's a very good football player. The Lions are a mess this year. Matt Patricia doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So I would have hope with Matt Stafford, but I prefer someone else, as you guys all know. But that's about it for all the news as we head into the final weekend of the NFL season. The Dolphins do play a game on Sunday, and we'll predict that game in the final segment. But next, we have another jam-packed Twitter mailbag to get to from you guys here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkful NFL at Locked On Fins. Day and night. Oh, oh. 
It is the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. December the 28th, we have one game left. And that means one more in-season Twitter mailbag. However, I did put out the request for you guys on that Twitter mailbag to avoid questions about this game on Sunday because, frankly, who gives a shit? I mean, if the Dolphins win, all it does is serve... The only thing it serves is to weaken their draft position if they lose. They could climb as high as the 11th pick in the draft. So that should be their focus, finding a way to lose. I know no one wants to hear that, but let's be honest. A win in this game with a change at quarterback, with a change at possibly head coach, with changes in the organization, winning literally accomplishes nothing against another team, the Buffalo Bills, playing for absolutely nothing. So I don't want any questions about the Bills game. I wanted to ask you guys about or you guys to ask me, I should say, about the offseason, some draft questions, some movies, Christmas, whatever it is besides the game, go ahead and do that. And with that, let's go ahead and kick off today's Twitter mailbag here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. First question comes from one of our writers at LockedOnDolphins.com, Skylar Trunk. He is at Skylar Trunk. Definitely follow him. If Kyler Murray declares, does his obvious interest in playing baseball deter you in any facet from selecting him? Is he more prone to hang up the football cleats for baseball if he suffers an injury or two? No, I do not think he does because initially he'll have to give that contract back to the Oakland A's and he'll be beholden to the, to the NFL contract he signs, which will pay him 20 to $30 million in guarantees. And if he quits on football, he'll, be ha- he'll have to pay that back in the way Ricky Williams did and was basically property of the Miami Dolphins after that. So no, it does not at all, Skyler. As you guys know, I'm all in on Kyler Murray. Next question comes from Yvonne at iSweetheart. What's your New Year's resolution? You know, I'm not a resolution type of guy because I do not like change at all. I I refuse to change unless I have to, but I'll go ahead and put this one out there for you guys. I would like to be nicer on Twitter I'm a nice guy. I think people on social media can be a little bit different than they are in person, obviously, but I do tend to get a little bit grumpy on Twitter. I'd like to be nicer to people that say things that really annoy me because like the Kyler Murray thread today, for instance, there was someone telling me that I was wrong in a column that I had just posted and they were arguing about something that I just posted and shared to them and they continued to argue against me on something they were dead wrong about. And it's just, it tests my patience. So maybe trying to show more patience on Twitter is my New Year's resolution, but I'll definitely break that on New Year's Day. So not a great answer. Next question from IRL Grizzly at Goddamn Bear. <laughs> when Gaze, Greer, Tannehill, Stills, Alonzo, and Jones return next year, what path to the playoffs do you see? Just the fact that the AFC East is really weak still. I know the Jets are expected to make a push here next year. The Bills possibly as well. I think the Patriots are coming back down to the earth. So I think that just playing in a weak division again could be beneficial to the Dolphins in 2019. But really, after yesterday's episode, looking at this roster and the kind of all the changes they're going to have to make, if those guys come back, they're they're not going to the playoffs. I'm sorry, they're just not. Next question here comes from Island Time at ilion858. Why the hell wasn't there a more concerted effort to move Devontae Parker for anything? Yeah, that's actually a good question because I thought that after that Houston game, he should have been sold immediately after. But of course, they had the receiver injuries like Danny Amendola, I think, was banged up. Albert Wilson was already out for the year. Kenny Stills had taken an injury the week prior. And Jakeem Grant later got hurt for the rest of the season as well. So I think out of fear for lack of depth at receiver... But then they go out and sign Bryce Butler, who was just as good as Devontae Parker in the same role for a fraction of the cost. So really, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you on that. They should have traded him 
a long time ago, not just this year, definitely in the offseason, probably even last year, but they dragged their feet, they dragged their feet, and now they're stuck with a bad player who's going to exit in free agency. Next question comes from Rev Dude at Reverend Dude. Do you think Adam Gase has learned anything from his mistakes? And then he went on to list the mistakes that he's made over and over again, stuff that I've talked about a lot running the football in third and five plus, uh, putting punting inside six minutes when down by two scores. He wants to continue to evaluate Ryan Tannehill. I don't, that's why I'm against Adam Gase coming back because the answer to that is no. And he made that clear this year when Jakeem Grant didn't get more snaps when Albert Wilson went down or when Devontae Parker was the top replacement there. Danny Amendola, Minka Fitzpatrick not playing more defense in the beginning part of the year, never going to dime defense with Matt Burke in charge, putting Matt Burke in charge of the defense to begin with. And the same things that he continues to pound into the table over and over again on offense and defense, he's not going to change. I don't see why we should expect him to. Kenyon Drake is one of the most explosive players in the league, and he's a part-time player. So I, I just don't think he ever will. Next question comes from Greg Larson at GSL. Now, what are your thoughts on Ross only letting Tannenbaum go? Look, I think it's a pretty clear mistake because Lewis Riddick talks about it all the time. When you make a change, you got to get everybody out and get a whole new group of people in that are aligned in their vision. Otherwise, you have people competing against one another, and that's not what this organization needs. They need one fluid general vision and stick by that. So I think it would be a huge mistake, but that's what Mike Stephen Ross does. He fires one guy at a time and pieces that together with guys that are not aligned in their vision. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I would hate to see it again. Next question from Daniel Morell at R. Ratana. Ryan Tannehill to the Giants. What are your thoughts? I think that would probably make some sense, I suppose. It would be an upgrade over Eli Manning. That is for sure. If the Giants can't find a way to get their quarterback in this draft, then he would certainly be a guy to get you through for a year or two and even would be the bridge to the guy they did draft this year. I, I just want to see Ryan Tannehill go somewhere where he gets a chance to really kind of make his career go the way I thought it would or the way that I hoped it would in Miami. I just think that he didn't get a fair shake in Miami. Things kind of went against him. I just want to see him get a fair shake regardless. Next question from El Cid Ciento 33 at skip underscore 1951. What does Adam Gaze do well that will allow him to keep his job? I want to reiterate that Adam Gaze is not entirely incompetent in what he does as a football coach. Far from it, as a matter of fact, especially as a offensive coordinator, a guy that understands offense and route concepts as well as anybody else. He does a great job of devising plans to get guys open. It's just really complex and it's tough to have that happen unless you have a high, high, high level quarterback which Miami did not have. I think he does a great job devising plans in the red zone to create scoring opportunities. Does a great job getting shot plays into the game when the offense is struggling and trying to find a way to be efficient to build that shot play in. So he has strengths on the offense. It's just far too inconsistent and far too stubborn for me. Next question is from Frank F at FFiorno1. Who is your favorite defensive player in this draft and who is the best linebacker? I think Tevion Conley from Notre Dame is one of the best linebackers. Devin White from LSU definitely is in that conversation as well. The best defensive player overall has to be Nick Bosa, the pass rusher out of Ohio State. He figures to go number one in this draft, in my opinion. Next question comes from Gabe Harai. He is at Gabe Harai. Gabe, I know I, I just butchered your last name, so I do apologize, but Gabe is one of our writers at LockedOnDolphins.com. Go ahead and give him a follow. Besides George Payton and Lewis Riddick, who are some of the other names we should be on the lookout for to take over for Tannenbaum? There have been some links to different guys in different organizations in the same mold that George Payton is, that second man in command. I know they talked about the Eagles executive. I forget his name. I, I'm, I'm drawing blanks on names right now, but there are some executives across the league the Dolphins have been attached to. I think Alonzo Highsmith was one of them. Maybe even 
Reggie McKenzie from the Raiders. I think the two names you listed are my favorite ones that are out there. And then also Dan Reno, I think is going to get a crack at it. We'll see what happens there, but just a couple names there to feed your list. I don't really have a great answer for that yet, Gabe. Future podcast, I definitely will. Next one comes from Simon Olson at Simon Olson 79. Teddy Bridgewater nearly lost his leg with a non-contact injury. Do you think it's a good idea to try to get a skinny injury prone quarterback behind the Dolphins offensive line? Well, he's not injury prone because he's never been hurt playing football before. So I don't know where that idea comes from. He's skinny, but so is Lamar Jackson and plenty of other guys that play in the league in the league that is more protective of quarterbacks now than it ever has been. So yeah, he's a great football player. That's why I want him on the team. Next question comes from Danny Sinella at DSinella52. What do you think of Darren Rizzi as a head coach? I say hopefully for us at some point, but I feel like he could coach anywhere. I just, I don't know. It's hard to evaluate. He does have a control over that special teams group. And the one argument I've heard is that the guy that talks to the team, the entire team is the head coach and the special teams coach. And that's it. So he definitely has that experience. I think guys respect him and trust him, but does he really, I don't know. It's it's a weird trait to evaluate. I think I'd have to see it first before I knew. And I probably would prefer to see him as an, on an interim basis, which could be the case next year if Adam Gaze comes back and then gets fired midseason like has happened the last three coaches we've had now. That could be the case. You could promote Rizzi at that point. But as far as doing it outright right now, I don't think I would like it yet just because I'm not sure of it. Next question comes from Tone Toto at Tone Lantern. What three moves would you make this offseason to put the Finns back in the playoff hunt for next year? Number one, I would replace the head coach, try to get Lincoln Riley or one of the Harbaugh's. I think that's a big, big one there. And obviously the front office structure would be restructured as well. Number two, I'd go out and draft Kyler Murray no matter what it takes to get him. If he plays football, it better be in Miami. And number three, I would sign a pass rusher or a defensive end, somebody on the defensive line to make a big impact. Probably Frank Clark from Seattle would be my top choice. So the coach, the quarterback, and a pass rusher. Next question comes from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. If you were to get a Dolphins tattoo, which logo would you get? The current one, the older ones, et cetera, et cetera. Also, side note, it's Rotomus Bowtie, not Rotomus Bowtie. I apologize for that, man. I don't know. I can't read. I can't pronounce things anyway, so I do apologize for that. But if I got a Dolphins tattoo, I mean, I wouldn't because I don't have any tattoos. It's just not my thing. But I would probably get the newest one. I think it's the best looking one. I think the one that has the helmet on, the previous one, is just awfully, awful cartoonish. I don't like that. And then the old ones look like a five-year-old drew it. So I prefer the newest logo. I like the old throwback jerseys and colors, but I do prefer the new logo. Next question here comes from Daryl Andre. He is at you ain't no cop, Jared, J. Reed. If Kyler is un- unattainable, What would be your draft strategy in the upcoming draft? Probably trying to move back and acquire more picks for 2020 because Kyler pretty much is the only guy that can save this team from being bad in 2019, in my opinion. And if that's the case, then let's go ahead and accumulate as many picks as we can. Maybe maybe you bought them out in 2019, and then you can go ahead and take your pick between Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, whoever it might be in that position in the draft. You can go ahead and make that move there. So a trade back and then probably drafting the best defensive lineman available because there's a ton of defensive linemen in this draft class. Next question comes from David Simpson at Sensi27. Any truth that the Finns are switching to a 3-4 defense next season? Well, I don't know the answer to that because we don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. So no idea. Next question comes from Joshua Saladino at jsaladino24. What is your go-to whiskey? The one that I drink the most is Johnny Walker Black. I do have a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue that I purchased a while ago, and I will crack that when the Dolphins win a Super Bowl. Hopefully I get to drink that sometime in my lifetime, but Johnny Walker all the way. 
Next one here comes from Cody O'Day at Attraction Law 84. Any chance we see a new offensive coordinator come in and call plays, or will it always be Gaze's offense as long as he's in town? The latter. He's. I don't see why he would give it up. He hasn't done it at this point. I think his ego is way too high to allow himself to do that and step back and give someone else that responsibility. So I maybe, but I just don't see him ever changing his ways in that way. Next question here comes from Conflict at Conflict TD. If Murray sticks to baseball and Haskins enters, should we trade up for him? I don't think maybe, but I wouldn't give up a lot. I would give up maybe some mid-round draft picks, maybe a future two next year, but I wouldn't give up additional ones to get Dwayne Haskins. I like him, but I don't love him that much. So if he's there within range, kind of the way the Cardinals went up and got Josh Rosen from the Raiders, I would do that, but I wouldn't go crazy and sell everything to get him. Next question here comes from Dwayne Benson at Death Leprechaun. Is Adam Gaze the head coach for a game next season? I, th- Yeah, I think he is. I-, I don't want that to be the case, but I think that Stephen Ross will find a way to bring him back for his fourth year because that's what he does, and he's not proven to be to make decisions different than that. So I just think that he'll do what he's always done and bring him back, and Adam Gaze will do what he's always done and we'll be stuck in that position again next year. Next question here from Gareth Mellon, at Gareth underscore Mellon. Should Darren Rizzi be head coach? I already answered that, but I want to give you a shout out, Gareth. I appreciate the question. And then the last question here, how what an appropriate ending from Alex Blair, at Kayser Finn Fan. I think I've answered this on the podcast before, but he asked me, boobs or butt, I'm an ass man all the way. And that's a great way to segue into our final segment here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on the Friday, December the 28th edition. You can find me on Twitter at Winkle NFL, and you can find the show at Locked On Fins. Well, this is it, guys. The final podcast before the Dolphins 2018 season comes to an end. They are playing in Orchard Park on Sunday at one o'clock Eastern against the Buffalo Bills, a game where both teams looking to get out of it healthy and get on to the offseason and move on to next season. As for the game itself, people have been asking me what I think is going to happen on Sunday. I mean, who cares really? But at the same time, the way I see this game playing out is the Dolphins have shown no ability for years now, to stop a quarterback that has a threat to run the ball over and over again. We saw Josh Allen do it once already earlier this month. I think he's going to do the exact same thing. The way Cody Kessler came off the field and Blake Bortles comes into the game and all of a sudden the Dolphins can't stop the run because of the threat of read option. I think the exact same thing is going to happen with Josh Allen. I think they run the ball all the way down the Dolphins' throats over and over and over again. I think Ryan Tannehill goes to Orchard Park where he always struggles and does the exact same. And the Buffalo Bills wipe the floor with the Dolphins and make the decision even tougher on Steven Ross. And frankly, that's probably what we should hope for at this point. But the more exciting football this weekend is the college football playoff. Clemson and Notre Dame, Alabama and Oklahoma. Who do I think are going to win those games? Both games have heavy favorites on Saturday as Clemson Notre Dame is at one o'clock, I believe, or I guess four o'clock for you guys in the East Coast. And the Alabama Oklahoma games at eight o'clock Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. I'm going to take chalk in these games. I think Clemson takes care of Notre Dame. I think that Alabama takes care of Oklahoma, though the latter is going to be a fantastic game and one that I think Kyler Murray keeps close throughout down the stretch into the fourth quarter. Also that with Tua's injury, he doesn't look like he's moving quite as well. So I think that game is going to be a classic one for the ages. And speaking of Kyler Murray and getting ready for that game, 
the Oklahoma Sooners are practicing at the Dolphins facility on Thursday because of weather related issues. And so Kyler Murray was literally practicing in the Nick Saban Memorial bubble on Thursday afternoon. Hopefully that is some foreshadowing for the future. And speaking of Kyler Murray, I put some stuff out on Twitter on Thursday talking about some of the misconceptions about him being a baseball player and having to choose baseball. I put up four tweets up on my Twitter timeline. You can find that as an entire thread on Kyler Murray talking about this article from Baseball America about how it's financially more feasible for him to choose football over baseball because in baseball, they say he's going to take at least two years to get to the bigs because he doesn't have that many at-bats. It's going to take him a while to catch up because in baseball, you don't just show up and hit major league pitching. It takes some time to get used to it. So two years to get there and then he's not eligible for arbitration for three years. So that puts us at 2023 before Kyler Murray is even able to make more than a million bucks. So think about that. He's five years away from a million dollar payday on top of the 4.6 he already has right now, which by that time in the NFL, he would already have all of his rookie contract, which could pay him upwards of $30 million in total. And then he'd be on to a second contract, which would be a nine figure deal. If he is a franchise quarterback, a $100 million deal, and maybe even fully guaranteed like the way Kirk Cousins got taken care of this year by the Minnesota Vikings. So financially stop with the arguments. Football makes way more sense unless he plays like Mookie Betts and gets a $300 million contract in six or seven years. And even if he is a great baseball player that deserves all that kind of money, he's not going to be eligible for free agency on this particular timeline starting in 2020 until 2026 when he'll be 30 years old. So you tell me, is that a good idea for him? I don't really think so. The next point is that he might prefer baseball to football or that he's already made his decision on that front. Not so fast. All those articles are from Scott Boris, his baseball exclusive agent, the guy that makes money off of Kyler Murray as a baseball player, not as a football player. And go ahead and find all those articles about him being committed to baseball. Look at the quotes. They're all from Scott Boris. In fact, the last time Kyler Murray was asked about the situation was at the Heisman Trophy presentation. And he said, I'd rather win a Heisman than a World Series. So you tell me. The next one was that he has to play baseball. His contract prohibits him from exploring other options. Wrong again. There is a provision in that contract that says he can play football as long as he gives the money back. That's all it takes. So easy out right there for him. And then lastly, the size of Kyler Murray. And this is the one that I maybe am a little bit dicey about. The injury risk and variation by position, according to Football Outsiders, quarterbacks miss games at a lower rate than all other positions in the NFL. So Kyler Murray, with the way they protect quarterbacks now, despite his small frame and his small size, and the way he protects himself, he is very good at that. It is a learned trait. It's a learned skill. Russell Wilson there takes big shots. Have you seen Patrick Mahomes get popped once this year? Not really. He'll take some hits, but it's not like horrible, egregious hits like Pat White, which by the way, get that comparison way the hell away from me. It's a terrible one. Please stop with that nonsense. So all this Kyler Murray stuff, it's... It's out there for you on my timeline. Go ahead and read it. The Baseball America article is fantastic about the financial decision he has to make and how football is a way better choice. All of this is to say that we should probably root for him to ball out on Saturday night because we just want his decision to be a no-brainer. To me, it is, but every little bit helps. And if he plays really well against Alabama, I think that'll make it a given that he chooses the NFL. So please, Kyler, please come and save 
the Miami Dolphins. All right, guys, that's going to be it for my time on the podcast today and for the rest of the week. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us that review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. We have a busy week for you guys next week as Black Monday and the season finishes up here and approach the offseason. You guys, please have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily source for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.